That is an absolutely amazing song. Sung at the Logies, of course, by my very special guest, James Blunt. And the album is called The After Love, 10 songs. This is an album you must buy. James, welcome. Thank you so much. It is so good. Um, thank you know it's uh, for me it's a really special song and 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 we produce it in a really kind of epic way and then I had the most amazing opportunity of coming to the Logies and singing it with the Melbourne Gospel Melbourne Gospel Choir um, who were fantastic so uh, you know I've thoroughly enjoyed visiting here for that reason. It's a very difficult venue and yet uh, watching it on television I wasn't at the Logies it looked like you were in a, a sound studio it was sounded so good. Yeah, I mean they're really you know they they could make anyone sound good and they <laughs> and they really did um, and so yeah and so you know it's one of those moments where everyone. Everyone came off stage really overexcited. Yeah. Well, I loved it. James, this album, the the songs on the album, now I, I'm under the impression that it took you two years to put them all together. Is that, that correct? Yeah. You know, I've done four albums in the past. They're all kind of related to each other and connected in many ways. And for this one, I thought, you know, I, I need to do something a little different, a bit more diverse and definitely something special. So rather than the, the 10 songs I'd normally, you know, write, well, rather 25 songs I'd normally mm. write for a 10-song album, I... I, I I wrote over a hundred songs for this, and rather than the year that I'd normally take, I took over two years to do it. And yeah, because I thought, you know, if I'm going to come back, I need to come back with something really special for my fifth album. And yeah, and I'm really excited by this one. Well, you have. I mean, you've you talk about it being your fifth album. Simon and Garfunkel had a fifth album called Bridge Over Troubled Waters that was ginormous. Michael Jackson had a fifth album that was ginormous. So I think this one's going to be in the same ilk. Yeah, well, you know what? I suppose by the fifth one, you you kind of know that you you got the job, haven't you? You got the gig. Um, and and I suppose in many ways you're free having done four albums that as I say were kind of related and connected to each other by the fifth you say okay you know I've been there and I've done that and I can I'm sort of free to do what you want to do and yeah. and, and and that's a really amazing opportunity now with a hundred songs uh, obviously that gives you album six album seven and album eight no doubt but be that as it may how what did you go through for a selection process? How did you get that down to the, to the ten or the or the twelve or thirteen? Well, you know, just the just the best ones that I thought. Uh, the, the nice thing about having quite so many is that you hope to have a pretty good pile of of good ones by the end of it. And I think in this day and age, you kind of need that because people listen to albums, you know, for, on shuffle modes, and it goes, you know, between one song and the next. It could, you know, any song could come up. So you need to make sure every single song is is a banger. While I was listening to it for the first time, and I I did something I did, don't normally do. I put it on. So it would not stop after each track and just listen to the whole track through. And by halfway through it, I started to get the impression I was sitting somewhere listening to someone have a private conversation on the telephone. And I was and I was eavesdropping. It's so intimate. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it was a really interesting experience, I suppose, because I, on some of my last albums, I've been quite ambiguous with my lyrics. And then I worked with some amazing people on this album. One of them you might have heard Ed of. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Ed yeah. Sheeran. Um, and a guy called Ryan Tedder, the lead singer of One Republic. And both of them said, you know, we want to be, they really wanted to be quite direct with, with the way I was going to write. In mm. you know, And so Ed, who writes incredibly direct lyrics himself, mm. said, come on, I was a fan of your first album. I mean, I loved the way you wrote then, and I'd love to do the same for this and so we wrote a really very personal song called Make Me Better um, and, and you can You've, really you can really you know you really know what's going on in my life through the lyrics of the song yeah we'll come to that I, actually I'd like to finish with that song but uh, I get the impression with music people like you James Blunt with Ed Sheeran with Adele that we are we are almost moving back to a generation where the song the lyric of the song becomes important uh, and, and it's not big bands and big big 
organisations and lots of dancers. It's a it's a much more intimate, personal experience. It, am I right in assuming that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, although my, my, I sell my music as you know as pop music, it's not really it's not pop with all the bells and whistles. Mm, sure. Um, it's uh, you know I'm, I'm a storyteller, I suppose. Um, and so yeah, the lyrics um, and and often quite stripped back music is is how, how I'm most comfortable. Yeah, well, almost like we have another British invasion. I mean, we had the '60s with the British invasion. Uh, they got the more personable. There's you. There's there's Ed Sheeran and there's Adele. I mean, the three of you are such intimate writers, such personal writers, and so popular. Yeah, although there's some great homegrown stuff here in Australia too. Um, yeah, and you know, and there's definitely it's definitely been an era of, of people who do you know who pick up guitars and, and write guitar based music. Um, it's 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 a healthy period for for real musicians. Yeah. Do you mind if we just for a moment? Because very recently, a couple of days ago, we had Anzac Day here in Australia, and it's very important. I mean, the Anzac spirit or the soldier spirit, I've always felt can be summed up with four words, courage, endurance, mateship, and service. You're in the army. You're a captain. Uh, how did that experience or how has that experience assisted you in your songwriting? Um, it, it definitely helped in many ways. Um, I suppose without it, I probably wouldn't have had so much to write about. Um, and it's definitely shaped the way I look at um, the world and the way humans interact. And I don't really write songs about where I come from, the, you know, the village that I write. Uh, yeah. But I write songs uh, that are about human connection, whatever colour or creed or race you might be. Um, and that's definitely been impacted on by the people I've worked with in the army and the other armies that I came across and the, and the countries I served in. Sure. Uh, I... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I was under the impression that one of the places you served in was Kosovo, and there was some weird American soldier or captain or whatever that instructed your group to retake an airport that the Russians had taken over, and your response was, no, 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 I don't want to start World, World War Three. Yeah, it was probably the most amazing day of my life, um, being, and yeah, and I, I led, uh, I was the, the lead soldier taking 30,000 NATO troops up to the airport, and then, uh, and then we had a Mexican standoff with the Russians, and we were told to overpower them and overrun them, um, and... You know, it's just, I suppose, the weird thing you realise being on the ground in the army is that's kind of politics yeah. seems to take over sometimes. And it was it was a political thing of us really wanting to take control of an airport. And it seemed like madness at the time. And it wasn't my, my words, actually. It was an amazing general called General Mike Jackson who said, come on, I'm not having my soldiers start World War Three. Let's just surround the airport. <laughs> um, and after a couple of days, the Russians said, you know, they had no food, no water. Could we, could we share? So, of course, we'll share the airport uh, with you and you can share our food yeah. and water. What an, what an amazing instruction to go, go to war with the Russians. Anyway, moving right along, that's got nothing to do with the album. Uh, just look, let me repeat, I'm, I'm talking to an incredible artist in terms of singer and songwriter. His name is James Bunt, but this album, The Afterlife, on the one I'm having held in my hand, there are 13 tracks. Love Me Better starts it off and it finishes with Over, and it is an intimate experience, and it's an album you must add to your collection. It really is so good. Ed Sheeran and Ryan Tedder, as you said, were co-writers on the album. Yeah. Ed and I have a song, um, uh, Ryan I've written with before, Bonha Bonfire Heart for my last album uh, is one that Ryan and I had written, so so three songs on this, and and we had such fun doing it, you know, we'd, I'd meet in his hotel room in the Corinthia um, and make a noise and people would come and bang on the door and ask us to turn it down, but you know, it, the spontaneity of working with him really affected the way the album sounds. Mm. I, I watched an interview, you did it on Australian television, and you were saying that, uh, that you in with Ed Sheeran, he taught you how to write songs. You taught him how to ski. Who won? 
Um, I got a pretty good deal out of it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so yeah, we went on a skiing holiday and he hadn't skied before, so I was his ski instructor. And then, and then we came home to the, you know, at night and wrote songs, which is, yeah, pretty amazing holiday. What a way to spend a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your fifth album, uh, is your intention, uh, you're going on tour with this album to promote the album? Yeah, very much. I start um, my tour in June. Um, I'm going off to the States. Uh, I travel around the UK and Europe. You know, at some point I need to probably put Australian dates in, don't well, I? Well, you are almost an Australian. I mean, you have the same sort of uh, comic uh, attitude in terms of the... I was looking at your Twitter results. I, you'd make a good Australian, actually. Well, I've been looked after incredibly well by the Aussies. I came down and had a day job um, for uh, for six months as an X-Factor judge. Um, yeah, I lived, remember. lived on Bondi and, yeah, and it's a place I've absolutely loved and, and the touring has always been a highlight here too. So I, I, I really can't wait to get back. And, yeah, I need to put some dates in. Yeah. X-Factor, how important is that for an up-and-coming aspiring entertainer? An X-Factor, a voice, uh, Britain's Got Talent and Australia's Got Talent. How, how important are those kinds of talent shows? I think they're amazing television shows. Um, I don't think if I was going into music, it's not the, the route I'd mm. go for, just really because, actually, you know, I was lucky enough. I played shows in little bars and clubs in London, and I made my mistakes in front of the five people who turned up <laughs> into those audiences, whereas if you go on at, you know, one of those talent shows, you're making your mistakes in front of the nation. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty high stakes in doing that. So, yeah, um, I, I think... Yeah, you have to be a brave person to do that. Well, our most recent winner on X Factor is representing our country, Australia, at uh, Eurovision. His name is Isaiah Fabray. He's only 17 years of age. He's an extraordinary singer. Yeah, I, I know him. I was, yeah, I, he, he turned up on the show when I was a judge. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you must have been the year he forgot the lyrics. And exactly. Yeah, well, he came back the next year just to show he was determined. Exactly. And he won. He won, which is really Fantastic. good. Fantastic. Look, James, I really do appreciate the time that you've come into the studio to have this. I just think this, this is an amazing album, The Afterlife. I encourage everyone to go, if you like good music, this is the album for you to buy. James Blunt, tell me about Make Me Better, because I love it. Yeah, well, this is the song I said that Ed Sheeran and I wrote um, up on a, in the mountains um, and with the, the most open lyrics that he trapped me and forced me into writing about my own life. And so it's the one that my wife says it's the most romantic song that Ed Sheeran has ever written her. So she loves it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you co-wrote it with him. You can't blame him or, or let him take all the credit. You're, uh, you've got one son? I do. You want? Is he musical? Um, I, yeah, he's too too young to find out. I don't know. We'll oh, see. Is, is it, when he hum, when he hums along or listens to James Blunt, does he cry or does we'll he laugh? See. <laughs> <laughs> James Blunt, break a leg. Thank you for your time. Let's enjoy now together. Make me better. Thank you so much. I'll just stop both of them. So whatever you say now won't be recorded. You happy with that? Really happy. Thank you so much. Oh, mate, it is my Fantastic. pleasure. Fantastic. Seriously, if you're, I keep the card because if you want anything promoted, yeah, wonderful. I can through our Facebook page or whatever. I'll you're do it so for you. kind. All right. Very, very. Good I am. Well, I, I love your work. I love your work. I will. Uh, what a treat to be here.